Hey, welcome to the Vine Church Podcast. We know you're going to be blessed as you listen to this amazing word today. Sit back and enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, it's a real privilege to be here again. I have been given a cool clicker. I have never had one of these before. What's so funny about it, for me anyway, is I've been told by at least three people, do not touch the middle button. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but when I get told not to touch something, I'm thinking, "Mm, why? You know, because like if I press the middle button, who knows? I promise I won't won't touch the middle button, but I can't help feeling tempted, if I'm honest. Awesome. So it's a real privilege to be with you all today. Um, As as you've already said, I've been here once before, and it's not just a privilege because obviously um, Lindsay and Erin are my family, but it's a privilege because this house is a house, a, a church of real hope. This, this church, to me, is obviously burning with a love that's not just something that you can contain, obviously. There's a passion and there's a there's a sense of God's presence here that's so, well, I love it because I know God's presence, but it's, it's you know that way where you see in these new National Geographic films where there's like tectonic plates and there's this incredible intense amount of pressure that nobody can properly imagine, but they tell you it's times ridiculous tons of pressure. And when it goes, there's something huge that happens. Typically, there's like a, a, a tidal wave of some magnitude. Well, I actually believe that that Scotland's in that place right now. And I don't mean as in we're about to have an earthquake, but I believe actually that there's an intense pressure because God is longing for places like this especially, but the church of Jesus Christ to just explode. And it's it's similar to what I was listening to your pastors preach last week, and I won't, I won't whittle on, I promise, but before I dive in, I just want to encourage you, this place burns with Jesus, with a love and a passion for the, the reality of who Jesus is. And you can see that through your good works, through what you do in your music festivals, through what you've done in your missions abroad in Haiti. And obviously, as we've already heard, you've been one of the longest serving faithful partners in Scotland for Hope for Justice an anti-human trafficking agency. So I just want to encourage you, listen, that fire on the inside of you is going to get stronger and stronger. Don't worry. I believe God's taking it to new gears. I believe that you are going to start seeing exponential growth. Nobody heard me. (laughs) Maybe you didn't believe me. I can assure you the church of Jesus Christ is advancing. There is only one church and his name, Jesus, is going to start, I believe, making a massive impact. And not just in some far distant land, which he is, but in this land and in, the, in this city, in this town specifically. So if you're excited, say, woohoo! Come on, that's good. We need some participation. So we, we are going to share some things today. And I, I, um, I want to go close to the gates of hell, so to speak, frankly, from my point of view, because this is where it's actually at, from where we stand as a, as a charity. We, we rescue people from some of the most dark places I've ever seen. 
And um, we, as the church of Jesus Christ, are called to be light. We're called in the, to be light, and where better do we shine? I'm feeling the, the light right now. Is it like up? <laughs> These lights are awesome. But where better do we shine but in the dark places? You hear me again? Listen, this is where we do make a biggest impact. Sometimes we can look at these things and feel overwhelmed and almost, we can't do anything. Why could we make any difference? There is no one better placed in the church of Jesus Christ to make a difference in these places. I kid you not. And we are, and I want to show you how we are and how you can, um, even if, if you're not already, if you've not already heard of this charity, then we want to give you the opportunity to get involved, to rescue those in the greatest need and to, and to get, you know, to, to recognize that, you know, we can make a difference. We really can. So, without further ado, um, I want to dive in. So, we, I, some of you may or may not have seen the banner that, well, you probably all did, because, you know, unless you're super unobservant, it's a huge banner just as you walk in. And it says, we exist to bring an end to modern-day slavery by rescuing victims, restoring lives, and reforming society. That is our goal as a charity. And we rescue people in, as I've said already, the worst of circumstances. Now, before I dive in to what that really means and unpack it a little bit for you, let me just give you a little glimpse into my journey, who I am, and how I got to here. So, as you've already heard, my amazing family are, are down here somewhere. I can't really tell they are. And, and I'm super blessed um, to be with them today, but I'll tell you about them in 10 seconds. First of all, I want to tell you that throughout my life, God has placed on my heart the desire to rescue. Um, I think we can all relate to seeing people come to know Jesus is a greatest honor. You know, to be rescued from darkness and sin and hopelessness into his hope, into his life, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that is my greatest honor, and we can all relate to that, sure, can't we? The second thing I want to tell you is, as, as my family is all here, bar one, the one little chap that we adopted, I had the privilege of rescuing our youngest child from what would have otherwise been a life begun in substance abuse and drug addiction. So my son Joel's also here. He's out in the, in the kids' work just now, having a great time. I also work as air ambulance paramedic. Maybe you, you knew that. Maybe you didn't see it through the advertisement of coming today. But I also work as air ambulance paramedic. So I have the privilege of rescuing people um, in time-critical emergencies all over Scotland. But most recently of all, at the turn of this year, God led me specifically to work with Hope for Justice. And um, these are the guys that we're going to look at today specifically, as, as you already know, and how we can make a difference how we can get involved. So, let me dive right in. Hope for justice, slavery. Most people think that slavery is something of the past, an evil that's been abolished and safely consigned to history. It's, it's yesteryear thing. But r the reality is very, very much the opposite. Sadly, there's never been more slaves than there is today in the planet. It's one of these things very hard to measure, but they suggest that there's at least 21 million worldwide. 13,000 of those are apparently believed to be in the United Kingdom. Now, that's a very conservative figure, 
in fact. And, and yet it's, outstand- it's, it's astonishing how big it is at the same time. 13,000 victims of human trafficking in the United Kingdom. Um, the Home Office recently suggested, in fact, that that was probably just the tip of the iceberg. So, it is not something, an evil certainly, that's historically been closed. It's, it's a real problem today. But hope for justice are making a change. And not just hope for justice. There are many organizations that around the world are rescuing people that are stuck in these tragic circumstances. But today, we're looking at hope for justice and what they do. They've been on the go for just about 10 years, just shy of 10 years. Um, many of you may or may not have known uh, Ben Cooley. He's the CEO. And the team just want to pass their thanks to you and all that you're doing, Ben especially, because as I've said already, you have been one of the longer um, supporters in Scotland for Hope for Justice, and we are very grateful for what you do. But um, as I said, we have been nearly 10 years now operating in eight different sites, in fact. We're in not just the United Kingdom, we're also um, situated in the United States, Nashville, Tennessee, as well as Cambodia, where we have amazing projects rescuing often children, sadly, from the most atrocious of crimes. We're also in Norway, and as I've said already, we are in the UK. We have four sites in the United Kingdom, the latest of which was just opened in Scotland at the turn of this year. So, we are making definite progress. We have a very simple but very strategic approach that we find is very effective. We don't just raise awareness, which is a very key part in this horrible situation. We also rescue. So we hire former detectives, very skilled professionals who have been trained, um, whether you're in this country, in the CID or in America, FBI, but people that have got Um, years of experience and know how to embed themselves into communities, identify victims of human trafficking, and then better than that, they can go in and rescue these people. So we we rescue victims of human trafficking. We work with up to 50% of the national police force in the United Kingdom, working within the parameters of the law, but professionals that can can break down the doors quite literally and get these people away uh, to a place of safety. In the last three years, we have rescued over 350 victims of human trafficking in the last three years. It is, it, every life is precious, and that is incredible to be able to do that. But when I've said already there's 13,000, you can see how much further we still have to go. We also restore these people. Our mission, as, you say, as I've said, is not just to rescue, but to restore. These people have been subject to the worst trauma you could imagine. The way that the traffickers have brutally and shockingly treated people. Um, to, you know, it, it's just absolute human misery. And we, we bring the best of support to these victims um, bringing them to the professionals that can best help them and uh, see them begin to trust again in humanity, begin to 
um, build a life of just the way God wants it for them. Also, we have an advocacy team. It's a legal team that supports the victims and ultimately brings the perpetrators to justice. We don't want to just kind of be going around and round in circles. We genuinely believe that we want to end modern-day slavery. We want to end it. It's an audacious and huge dream. But when we believe in a God who's immeasurable, I said, when we believe in a God who's immeasurable, you know, then we can believe that we can live in a world free from slavery. We can believe that there can be no more slaves. Because when we know the Father heart and the heart of God, we can partner with him and begin to make a massive difference, albeit one life at a time. But we are believing to, to end it. We're in it to end it, as we say. And, um, and so we have an advocacy team that brings justice, those perpetrators to justice. We help in relation to bringing new laws in government, which has very recently been happening more and more. And Hope for Justice have been very strategic and key in the involvement of that. So we have a lot to be grateful for and excited about in what we're doing in this regard as well. And then there's reforming through training. We believe in reforming society where we begin to raise awareness by training professionals, healthcare professionals. Um, I'll maybe tell you a little story later about one of those um, little stories, but um, also police force. We, we do a lot of training with police force, as I say, working up to, I think it's 47% to be exact, of the national police force. Other businesses um, as well, where we can bring just a information that stops the supply chains and helps to eradicate slavery. So training is massive. In fact, 50% of all those that we've rescued recently have been directly attributed to the training that was given to those professionals that have identified victims of human trafficking and have therefore been able to get them out. Come on. So that's good, isn't it? So we have this very simple but very strategic approach where we rescue, we, ref we restore, and we reform. And ultimately, we are seeing a massive difference. We're seeing a change, but we've still got a long way to go. Um, this is why it's important that we recognize as a church the difference we can make. Because it's actually not actually all about hope for justice. It's all about Jesus Christ. He is the rescuer of rescuers, and they will tell you this themselves. The reality is, without Jesus, without the church, we can't do it. That's why we need to stand together. That's why we can make a difference together when we all say we won't accept this in our nation. This is not acceptable. This is not what our God wants. And this is not what we will accept. He is a God of love, yes. And he is a God of justice. He is a God where he rescues, as we've heard earlier in Psalm 72, those that are oppressed. And he will crush the oppressor. And, and I, I genuinely believe as a church when we begin to sense and know that love of a father who will run and rescue, um, then we begin to really join together and make more of an impact. So it is exciting to see how we as a church can get involved. But before we, we talk a wee bit more about that, I want to dive in to something that God has been sharing with me more and more um, Every time, more or less, I, I read this, I see something new. But I want to read today from Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to use the clicker for the first time. Hey, that was cool. 
Stay away from the middle button. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to look at the story of Moses here, or a, a tiny part of it. Now, there's loads that we can talk about, but there's three specific parts I want to look at um, that I think is massive when we consider how we can help and what we can do in this time, in this day and age in which we live. But let's read together. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Three things I want us just to quickly look at that I think is massive in this specifics relevant to what we're looking at today. The first thing is, I believe God wants us to encounter him in the supernatural, in the everyday life. Let me say that again. I believe God wants us to encounter the supernatural of God in the everyday life. Moses was just hanging out with a sheep, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, Jethro, when he noticed the fire in the bush. It was his everyday job. And yet there was something weird about it because it was burning, which wasn't in itself unusual, but it wasn't being burned up. And I believe that that's actually the heart of God, what he wants to say in this point. We sang earlier a song, the atmosphere is changing now. It says it is all around us. It's clear. It's all around us. There's something happening all around us. And God wants us to see what he is doing. He wants us to know what is happening, what's getting, his, what, what's getting his attention. He wants to get our attention through the supernatural. And you may think, well, Craig, how are we going to see that? We're going to go look for, looking for burning bushes? No, but I kid you not, he is all around us. He is everywhere. He wants to capture your attention in the supernaturally way supernatural way in the everyday things. I'm going to give you at least one example if I've got time. I told you already my family are all here. I have four children, a beautiful wife, married 22 years. Good. <laughs> got it right. Come on. <laughs> so we, I had a dream, I don't know, about how many years ago would have it been? Um, well, Jenna, my youngest daughter, she is 13. 14. <laughs> Oh man, failed. 14. So it would have been 14 years ago, in fact. And it was of, um, it was of a little boy with blonde hair. And I saw it dead clearly, and I was sure because Nikki was pregnant, oh, cool, we're going to have a wee boy, he's going to have blonde hair. Seen it. And um, 
long and behold, we had a daughter with brown hair. And I thought, oh, well, must have had too much pizza that night or something. But I was sure, I was certain that I was seeing something. Because sometimes when God, you know, God does speak to me. I think I've shared with you before how, you know, I've seen aspects and so often it's outside of time and I'm not going to get into that. But I saw, I saw this little boy with blonde hair and I was sure, I was sure it was God who was speaking to me. But at that time, oh, well, just park it. Don't know what I saw there. Um, and then moved on. Four years later, we began the journey in regards to, to adopting our fourth son. Now, at that time, I had forgotten all about that dream, to be honest, and we were just responding to God and what he was doing in our lives and leading us to do. And, um, and we had gone through probably quite a lengthy process of at least two years anyway, when we were now being led to the house where our son um, who we were to, to adopt was, and we were meeting him for the first time. So in we walk, and the first thing I noticed was his blonde hair. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I remember. Now you might be thinking, okay, whatever, super coincidence. Do you know what? Actually, God's, this is what I mean about everywhere. God's everywhere. His heart is for us to see him and to know what he is doing in our lives. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in our going. He loves wherever it is we're going. He cares about us in all the details, the tiny details. But as if that in itself wasn't enough, some lady who, again, I had never met before, walked in who was a very good friend of the carer that had taken care of Joel for the last two years and remarked about his hair as well and said, oh my gosh, how blonde is this guy's hair? What have you done? And of course, I've never met him before, so I'm kind of looking and listening. And the girl who was taking care of him said, I know, I can't believe it. Just in the last two days, it's just gone blonde. And I'm like going, oh my goodness, I hear you, God. You know, but do you know what? It's just a little thing that meant an awful lot to me because it was a journey of faith where I'm believing God is leading us to adopt and to take another child into our home. And we met Joel. Now, do you know what? It was probably the son who'd been bleaching it and he'd been out playing in the sun because it was quite a warm time of year. Whatever. Six years ago, God showed me a picture of a boy with blonde hair, which was the distinction that I knew God was speaking to me about. And I just want to say that because I believe it's little things like that. So you might be thinking, okay, you're taking that too far. We're talking about the supernatural here. It was supernatural to see him six years before, four years before he was even born. Because God lives outside of time. God wants us to be people who are aware of what he is doing and aware of the supernatural aspects of God. Another story, just quickly, before I move on to the next point, is that I was working with a paramedic, again, everyday life, everyday job, working with a paramedic who was actually from Aberdeen, who just so has an interest in air wing and, the, and, and what we're doing in, uh, in the ambulance service, and, and the opportunity for, for him came to work with me. I'd never met this guy before in my life. We're working, we're doing a shift, I'm talking to him about my life, and he's talking to him about, uh, talking to me, sorry, about his, and then it becomes apparent that he's potentially come across a victim of human trafficking. I'm talking to him about hope for justice and the reality of all of what's happening. So one thing leads to another. The human trafficking agent uh, unit sorry, in Scotland get the information as to where this lady lives. They get in, they get her out, she's now safe and well. What's the chances of me working with one paramedic? It's God, come on, give it up for God. 
It's impossible to overappreciate God, by the way. It's impossible, just so you know. So come on. Woohoo! He's amazing. He is absolutely amazing. That guy, there are thousands and thousands of emergency calls. Think about it. Just think about it. Thousands. And this one crew goes at this one address, and I so happen to be working with them a few weeks later. Do you know what? You can see where I'm going with this, can't you? God is the God of, you know, impossibilities. He orders the steps because he's got a heart for everyone who's trapped. He wants to bring freedom to everyone. He wants us to walk in the supernatural every day, like Moses taking care of the sheep and the, the bushes on fire. Second, the second point, God didn't talk to Moses until Moses stopped to look. Let me say that again. God didn't talk to Moses until Moses stopped to look. If we read it in verse 4, it says, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Okay, so what's your point? Sometimes it's difficult to look, especially when we're talking about this, especially when we're talking about children, especially when we're talking about the exploitation and the horrific, just unbelievable details, which I'm not going to say right now, but it's sometimes difficult to look. And it's almost natural to want to look away when we see things that are awful. I don't know if you guys noticed in the press just a few weeks ago, in your time, it's been highlighted that amber area. This has got apparently a little green button. Cool. So see all the amber. This is all the areas that human trafficking has been identified in Scotland. That's the amber. Victims of human trafficking have been identified in Scotland, this color. It's, it's literally everywhere. And then there's the hot spots, the places where the crimes have been identified. And this specifically was highlighting Dunfermline as a hot spot, not just the major cities. It's in our town. It's in your town. What do we do? Well, I'll tell you the first thing you need to do, you need to look. Because when you begin to look, you begin to see what's happening. And when you see, I believe you start to hear the voice of God, how we can respond, how we can do things, and how we, if we join together, the one church of Jesus Christ, when we join together, we can say this is not happening anymore. This is, this is epidemic. This is all over. It's in our country. I want to encourage you. This is not, I believe, a media-driven, detailed problem. Although the media have been pushing it, I believe it's because God has heard these people. That God has seen the injustice that God has seen the shocking, disgraceful misery that these people suffer in our country. And I believe, as such, the media have made a point of putting it out there, but we as the church of Jesus Christ, 
need to rise up. We need to stand together. We need to say, this is not happening in my town. And I believe we need to be men and women that say, I will not look the other way. I cannot ignore this. We will be held to account when we stand before the Burma seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, not for our sins, because that's all been dealt with in the price that our Savior paid to bring us freedom, to bring us life, for it was for freedom that Jesus brought us life. But we'll be held to account, in fact, for what we did with our talents, with our resources. And I know this church, by the way, is a rocking church where you massively make an impact. So I don't say that in any way to judge you. Nobody's judging. But I want to challenge you because this is in your town. This is in my town. This is in my country. And these people need our help. The third point is, I think they're all massive, but this is the one that I hear God say to me most often. And it's, it's in, if we go, just go back a second. In verse 7 it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. Later on in the few verses on it says, I hear their cry. When I was, well, I'm going to talk about Jenna again, my youngest daughter now. When Jenna, and Jenna's given me permission, by the way, to tell you this, but God God told me something. God said something to me when she was only 18 months that I have never forgotten. I want to tell you this story because it really helps me to, to, to understand the father heart of God in regards to the cries of people. So my daughter Jenna, when she was super young, she was our, what we would call our emotional child. Um, she she would be upset potentially if the socks were the wrong color or sort of uncomfy. You know, I mean, it was, it was, it was bizarre. We never always knew why, but sometimes either it was an, a spirit of intercession I used to think she might have had. You know, she's weeping again for somebody. But it would be potentially for anything. And there was this one day, we were out in the garden, we were playing, the skies were blue, the sun shining, the birds were singing. It was beautiful. There could be nothing wrong, or so I thought. The kids were in having a blast with the, with the toys, and then I heard Jenna cry. And my heart sort of sunk a wee bit, and I went, oh my goodness, what could possibly be wrong now? So I continued in whatever menial task it was I was doing, I don't know, pulling weeds out or doing something you know, laborious. It wasn't particularly that I was busy. I was just doing something. And the Holy Spirit said to me, something I've said already, I'll never forget. He said, if you don't run to Jenna's cry now, at this age, when she's older, she won't run to me when she needs me. I was like, wow. I dropped my fork or whatever it was I had in my hand. I went running, Jenna, I'm coming. I picked up Jenna. I kissed her wee knee, whatever it was, wee scratch. You know, three seconds later, she was like, get off, I'm fine now. You know what I mean? Totally went away and play. And I, and I walked back thinking, oh my goodness. We represent as fathers, as mothers, the heart of God to our children. 
We represent it. So if they cry and they're upset and I don't run and I don't model that heart of compassion, of love, of a God who cares about, as we know, not just the big details of our life, but every detail of our life, then what's to make them think that actually there is a God who genuinely loves them, that sent his only son to pay the price that we might know his life and freedom. If, he, if they've never seen it modeled in us as parents, and I began to realize, I had a new appreciation of the, of the responsibility and the, and the honor it is to be a father. But if I can just take this to another level, if there is a cry of those that don't yet know God in these awful circumstances of human trafficking, and the church, the representatives, the ones who model the heart of our Father, don't run. Why would they believe that there's a God who loves them? Why would they? Well, his church, they don't do anything. Do they run to me? And okay, you might think, okay, well, maybe just, you need to think about that. We appreciate it as, ha- as fathers, as, as mothers, and relate to it even as, our, as children ourselves to our own parents. Maybe, maybe we didn't have that modeled, that heart of a father. But you can see the impact as a church that we can have if we run to the cries of those that are crying out. Listen, I, wanna, I want us to look at a quick film right now. And it describes some of the circumstances of a woman that we have rescued. It's four minutes long, and then I'm going to just, a few minutes after that, and we'll we'll be done. So let's just watch this film. We all dream of giving more to our children, of raising them in love and freedom. For many parents living in poverty, that dream is cruelly exploited by traffickers. prepared to do anything for her so that she wouldn't go without. God forbid, not like my parents treated me. Natasha was abused by her own parents. She was determined to build a different life for her daughter, a life of love, safety and hope. But she struggled to find work in her home country. I was offered a chance of work in Germany for three months to make some money. But I ended up in Amsterdam. They beat me, making sure that the bruises didn't show when I went to work. Natasha was trafficked for sex across Europe for five years. Desperate to get back to her daughter, she risked her life to escape. Returning home, she discovered that her own mother had trafficked her. The thing that upset me the most was that she knew I was trying to provide for my daughter. Natasha still would not abandon her dreams for her daughter, so she seized a new opportunity of work in the UK. When I arrived in the UK, they took our passports. If you refuse to go to work, you will end up in the streets beaten, 
Natasha was forced to work on her feet day after day after day for eight years. It was terrifying sleeping at night. Sometimes they would smash down the door of our room in the middle of the night. He would use a baseball bat. Every day I thought about how I could escape with my bones intact. There are 13,000 victims of modern slavery in the UK tonight. Hope for Justice exists to bring an end to modern slavery by rescuing victims, restoring lives and reforming society. I am free today because someone decided to support Hope for Justice. They have given me so much genuine and real support. They appeared in my life like a guardian angel from the skies. Since we rescued her, Natasha is rebuilding her life. She is back in touch with her daughter and she has found a faith in God that gives her strength. I know now that God exists and there are good people in the world. I always have hope that in the future everything will be okay. I never look back. Hope for Justice have rescued hundreds of people here in the UK, but those who are still trapped need someone like you to be their guardian. A guardian sets free, speaks out, stands up, defends, protects, restores. That is what it means to be a guardian. Become a guardian today and fulfill their dream of freedom. Okay. Amazing. It's an amazing story, isn't it? But that's, Natasha is one of 350 victims that we've rescued in the United Kingdom, as I've said already. Um, the primary way you can help, if you're able, and there's no pressure, but it's just if you're able, there are guardian forums you'll find on your seats. Um, in them, if you, there's just some basic information where you put your name and your bank details. If you can give, as you've just seen on the forum, or on the film, sorry, 15 pounds a month, then that's an enormous support to us just to be able to continue to strategize and to make a difference, to plan as a charity. Hopefully today you'll have begun to see that we are making a difference. We are not just rescuing these victims, we're bringing them back into a place, reintegrating them into society, bringing them ultimately to the rescuer of rescuers, to Jesus Christ, where they can true, know true freedom. Um, this is an invaluable um, opportunity, really. We're talking about people's lives, we're talking about eternity, we're talking about the worst trauma. Um, but again, it's a free will offering. It's a free will because God doesn't manipulate, God doesn't push. God just asks us, can you do something? And if you can do something, then that's number one. The second thing is you can pray. You can get involved in what we believe to be, what we run as abolition groups. I know you may or may not have heard of them in the past. Um, it was an act for, an abolition act previously. Now it's abolition groups or act for justice it was previously, sorry. 
in getting involved and becoming part of an abolition group, that's simple. It just simply means you get together once a month, you pray together, you raise awareness, you use your resources, you use your influence, you begin to spread the word. You say, this is happening in our town, people. Did you see the press? The Dunfermline Press. Listen, we meet together every month where we do things, whatever it is that God has given you, your talents, your skills, your abilities, and you can begin to um, just raise awareness, pray, make a difference, and raise, again, finance if you can help. Um, I just want to finish at this point, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, uh, we're going to sing, there's one song that we're going we're gonna to play at the back, which is, I'm going to give you time, if you can, fill in that for them. There are pens that are available if you don't have one. But I want to finish with just this symbol. It's a symbol that we use in Hope for Justice because it's a symbol of freedom to us. For every victim that we rescue in Hope for Justice, we write the name of the victim on the padlock. And we, we hang it on our wall in the main headquarters. It's a huge visual. It's a statement of, um, you know, freedom. It's a symbol of this, this life is precious. And I just want you to think about that. And I want you to, in the next few minutes, we're going to play a song, if we can, at the back, guys. Um, and take that few minutes just to fill in the form, if you can. Um, and then Aaron's going to take it from there. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Just, just stay up here, Craig. Put your hands together for Craig, shall we? Um, yeah, Hope for Justice is very close to our heart. We've been a partner for a long time. I'm, Lindsay and I are guardians. We wouldn't ask you to consider uh, um, if we didn't do it ourselves. We have been for a wee while now. Um, but it's very real. And we, uh, there was a case in the Guardian newspaper even recently of somebody from Bangladesh who was a, a, a victim of modern-day slavery up in the highlands of Scotland for many years working in a hotel, and they're very clever and crafty how they managed to um, trap them. He was uh, eventually rescued, and uh, the uh, victims were um, charged for, for trafficking, um, and it took many, many years, and the process was really bad. Hope for Justice weren't involved in this one, or it would have been a lot better how it was dealt with, the aftercare of this individual, because the aftercare is so important. But uh, they interviewed some people um, that used to frequent the hotel for drinks, and this guy served them, and afterwards they go, you know, we had suspicions, we kind of knew something wasn't quite right. And that's why the awareness is so important, because I believe if the awareness was there, they would um, have, have put two and two together, would have known what to do with my suspicions. They just knew, they looked back and it says, we wished we had acted on our suspicions. And, um, and so that's why we're uh, very keen to establish, uh, um, not an act for justice group, an abolition group in Dunfermline. So we're, we're looking for someone whose heart's been stirred by this. Someone who wants to say, yeah, I want to make a difference. Um, and give your name to Craig. He's got a table in the foyer. Give your name and address if you're interested in being part of that group. It meets once a month and we can help you work out what to do. There's lots of training. And a large part of it would involve training and awareness within Dunfermline itself, getting to the key places, strategic places. There's all sorts of adverts and different things that they can do. Um, 
So we're, we're looking for people. Is your heart being stirred by this? Um, get involved. Sign up for the newsletter, which comes through with lots of, lots of great things. But as, as Craig said just now, one of the ways that uh, you can um, uh, uh, respond today is to become a guardian. Um, it's £15 a month, and we're going to give you a few minutes. If you need a pen, just put your hand up, and Zara's, going to, uh, Zara's got some, some spare pens. But we would ask you to consider if you could do that just now, then we're going to put the offering buckets round and just fold your form in half and put it in the bucket, and then um, we'll, we'll do that. Okay, so please do consider um, joining um, and supporting this, this great organization. You know, because the church is a body and we can't do it on our own. We need each other to, to, to do this. We as a church can't make the difference on our own. We don't have the knowledge. We don't have the skills. So we need to partner. We need, we need the, the full body to come together and um, hope for justice as part of that, which is just tremendous because it's helping us to make a difference. Because otherwise we would look at this and Dunfermline and say, eh, right, let's pray. Well, it's good to pray. But God needs some uh, hands and feet to, to respond to, to those prayers. You know, we, we need to do something. We wouldn't know what to do. We'd go out and start knocking on doors or something and just, you know, get ourselves in lots of trouble and danger. And that's not what we want. So we're going to give you a, a few minutes just now just to watch this, watch this song. And, uh, and for those that can fill in the forms, fill them in just now. And then um, we're going to have the band back up. So let's just, just play that song. And uh, take a few minutes, please. Um, if you're not filling the form, just, just watch. These are great, great stirring words. This, this is well, thank you. I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble. Now I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever going to turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. You could just uh, leave the main, the main lights on, please, Robert. Sorry, just so people fill in the forms can fill them in. Thank you. just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty and children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something? He said I did. have the band back up as well, please.
Dear Father, we just thank you for the, the vision of hope for justice. And thank you, Lord, that we are part of your body, Lord. I thank you, Father, we are called to reflect, Lord. We're called to release. We're called to be part of the river, Lord, which brings your glory to cover the earth. Lord, that brings your image of justice and mercy, Lord, that it would cover the earth through us, your people, Lord. And Lord, may we start in Dunfermline that justice and mercy would come through us, a people, Lord, that are concerned for the cry, to hear the cry, Lord, of those trapped, Lord, that we would be part of bringing your justice and your mercy, Lord, to be part of the engine of change, Lord Jesus, in this world, Lord. When you sent your spirit upon the church, you sent it to bring power to be agents of change, to renew creation, to bring back light into the darkness, to bring back hope where there is no hope, to bring, to bring freedom, Lord. And we thank you that we get to be part of your mission. Thank you we get to join you on your rescue mission. Your rescue mission is us. You're rescuing as much as we are rescuing. You're concerned as much as we're concerned because you've chosen to limit yourself through your spirit in your body on the earth. So stir your body, we pray. Cause us to rise up, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this message today. Thank you for Craig and the team. Bless them and protect them and keep them safe. And I just want to say to you today, Jesus loves you. He wants to rescue you from your bathroom of suffering and pain and disappointment. Trust in Him. He sent His Son to take the injustice and the pain so you could be free. If you want Jesus to come into your life, just everybody say this prayer together. He came today. Jesus died. Took your punishment so that you could come into His family. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. I need you decide to believe in you and I choose today to put my faith in you that my miracle that I need I can choose to believe in you can sort out the mess of my life if I just give it to you and trust you and be patient rescue me today Lord Jesus forgive me for all my wrongdoing forgive me for missing the mark I choose to follow you today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.